Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to have a, an internal discussion with my colleague, Nicole, the smartest brain in the company you're having today for half an hour of your time. Imagine that. So Miguel and I, Miguel is a data scientist here, and I'm a big admirer, as you can hear. We're going to talk about our why of all our marketing, everything. It's like when you're a marketer, like you do a lot of creatives and you do beautiful websites and everything, but there comes the time when you have to choose. Are we to go to three face-to-face -face events or should we continue our webinars? What should we ditch? Where should we cut? Right? Yeah, exactly. So that's what we're going to talk about. And this is what we already built at Dream Data, a way for you to map all of your marketing initiatives and calculate the ROI. Before in time, we used to do that for return on ad spend on your paid channels, already a huge win, but now you can plot everything in. And we will walk through the whole use case of why we did this, who asked for it, and who can use it in the future. So Mikkel, what is ROI in B2B marketing? So generally the ROI, when you talk about it, it's the return on investment. So how much do you get out of spending money on something? And there generally the investment can be anything. Uh, so our eye is not necessarily limited to B2B marketing. It can be anything in your company, but obviously yeah, Dream Day, we usually focus on your go-to-market efforts and those costs around that. We used to have the feature of connecting your ad spend, meaning they are spend on LinkedIn, you spend on Google, Facebook, et cetera, and connecting that to the activity that that brought in. Mm -hmm. So people coming from Google to your website, which campaigns did bring in the revenue. And now we extended this feature to also have anything else you can track because we also through Dream Data track a lot of things that are not coming from a paid ads platform. Mm. It can also be, it can be your emails activities, but it can also be your webinars and your live events, your trade shows, your conferences, um, your podcasts, any other activity that you're tracking through Dream Data. So now we're extending it to be sort of the whole, the full suite, which obviously makes the picture more holistic when you're determining where to spend your money. And when we say B2B ROI, why is this? so difficult to calculate. I mean, I'm a salesperson. I go to an event. We paid this. I got this amount of leads. I closed this amount of deals of those. Pretty easy, huh? Exactly. And that, in essence, that's what we are doing. Yeah. The problem is doing that in a scalable fashion and in a fashion where you actually, now it's easy for when you're, how you're phrasing it there. I went to a trade show. I collected the lead. Yeah. I closed the deal. Uh -huh. So my ROI is... Yes. The problem is obviously somebody went to another event, mm -hmm. talked to the same person. That person also attended your webinar made by your other colleague. That person also clicked five Google ads. So now what is your, your easy calculation of 
I co collected this lead, I closed the deal, is somehow not that easy anymore. Yeah. Because now you, you actually need to collect all of it and give some attribution weight to it before you actually get the real ROI or get any sense of sensible ROI out of it. That's right. So the whole customer journey picture. Yes. That needs to be exactly. a part of it. That's right. So customer journeys are crazy complex. And now when planning the budgets for next year, we need to figure out what brought in the most of ROI in terms of all of those touches. So what is the complexity of it all? If you start to think about like all the channels that you just mentioned and all the touches that have happened and maybe even all of the stakeholders over there. Exactly. So you, you got a lot of sort of different sources coming from this thing. You have a lot of different places where you can collect this. Obviously they are also not collected sort of in the same way. We all know about some certain things are easier to collect than others. So obviously there's a sort of attribution sort of model problem mm. or thing to take into account. So obviously it's not necessarily the part of determining is this thing exactly 102 or 105 percent, but there's a big difference between finding the ones that have a thousand RI and the ones where nobody that saw this webinar after three or four months turned into any kind of pipeline. There's a big difference in finding those yeah. and keeping track of those in a scalable fashion. Here, the very big difference between what you will do in, I guess a lot of people are trying to do this in sort of annual spreadsheet manners, where you collect something here and mm -hmm. connect it to another spreadsheet there, and then click through your CRM to find the ones that sort of coincided. That's not really that scalable or at least it scales very heavily with hiring more people to do it. Right. And okay, the most of the people that are here listening to us, they probably don't have dream data. So if you were to be in the company that doesn't and are to go into a more structured way of calculating ROI for B2Bs, what should they start with? So the first thing you start with, I would say, is the, the part that when you do an activity, then you take one step back and sort of, okay, how... Could I imagine actually tracking this activity? How could I imagine figuring out which people were involved? It's the same thing because sometimes you sort of realize, think, oh, I can't track anything. It's impossible. But there are a lot of ways where it's sort of remember to set up a landing page with a UTM, give out something that make people visit your website. The same thing about free trials, things where people can try stuff, where people sort of so it doesn't necessarily have to be the old gate my ebook yeah. discussion, but there are a lot of things where you sort of incentivize people to actually do something and then you can track that. And then it's the, the idea of collecting that activity and then connecting it to the spend that you knew that you had on this. So obviously that, that's the, that part. And then you have your, obviously your CRM where you need to track which people did what. That's so interesting. So that can basically be used for a lot of different use cases. We started with B2B events, but like even if you were teased a little bit about, oh, podcasts cannot be measured, like you can still calculate something of an ROI of a podcast. No, Definitely. And then the trick is that you can do these, this thing of people visiting, then when they visit your 
let's say the podcast that you have made a landing page for, mm -hmm. then you made a UTM, you made a landing page. So now you actually have people coming to this. Then when people come to this, you might not know who they are because you haven't gated it. There's just some information on it. But when they those people then move on down your funnel, then at some point later, let's say three months later, now they're ready to buy. Now they sign up to your demo. Now they actually identify themselves and you unlock your history of what they visited or they sign into your product or whatever. And now you actually have the visit that those people actually in interacted with you at this thing. And then obviously in real life events, you also should not underestimate the power of actually just good old fashioned writing down who you're meeting with. If, if you're not yeah. writing down who you're meeting with, if you're a salesperson at a trade event, then how are you keeping track of whether or not that was, that was worth it? Just in the very simple fashion yeah. that you want to talk to people that you're able to sell to. Exactly. And during the events, I see that companies are pretty good at at least well, scanning their badges, taking down the name, who they spoke with and so on, or dropping QR codes here and there so they can at least do some tracking for the very top of funnel. Or maybe they are neither ICPs, they never submit forms or anything, but kind of in B2Bs and those long customer journeys, where is that measure stick that you would put on to start calculating the ROI of B2B? Obviously, you can start having your measuring at the lead stage. They would normally not go so much for the ROI part because there the money number is more fluent mm -hmm. depending on how good a prediction model you have on how many leads and what's the value of those. But once you start getting mm -hmm. into the opportunity creation and opportunity sort of Obviously, the opportunity close is a natural place because now it's actual money. Yeah. But you could also start having it at sort of a reasonable close sales pipeline stage where you actually have an easier time calculating conversions. So from that step, I would start sort of looking at the actual RI number. But for the MQL state, they would probably do the same thing you would do for sort of performance marketing. Maybe the number is not the accurate one, but the relationship between the numbers. So one is five times bigger than the other. Then it doesn't matter that, that the number 10% is wrong. It's still five times higher than the other one, regardless of whether or not the actual number is 10 or 100, because you don't know what an MQL is actually worth. Right. That's very interesting because, yeah, you wouldn't know what the ROI would be before it actually is closed money in the bank. Ash, it sounds like you've got some questions. So you are... What you've asked so far is how does it compare with normal rules of marketing? And can you please try to explain briefly about ROI? We could try, this is yeah. pretty general, but let's try to explain like briefly about ROI and yeah. B2B marketing in simple terms. Yes. In principle, it's the, you spent money and you got some money in. And basically it's the relationship between those two numbers, one divided by the other to be more exactly. So you got money in, that's your revenue, and then divided by whatever it costs to bring in that revenue. If that number is then bigger than one, meaning you got more money in than you put out to get it, you have a positive ROI or an ROI above, above one or 100, depending on your preference for percentages. So then that's why it's, all, it's a number that you as a business naturally care about, because obviously you want to do things where you get more in than what you put into it. 
Yeah, and in B2Bs, it's also pretty relevant still. That's what we spoke just before. Because the beginning of ROI of an event would be like, is this just a lead captured? We're calculating, is it a sales qualified lead created? But you still don't have the money in the bank. So there is the ROI is only the relative number to calculate comparing one event and the other event ROI. And when you've got the money in the bank, that's a totally different yeah. deal. Yeah, that, that's the, the, when you got the money in the bank, that's what you will call the, if you call your finance guy, then that's what they would think about as an ROI. Because that, that's the, where the turn sort of originally came from. Most of the time, marketers will also use it in sort of with estimated revenue numbers because you want to get something that's, you need to have some measure before the end of the funnel. Yeah. You cannot always wait eight months, nine months to actually get the actual number. So you need some measure stick a little bit beforehand, even though you know that it's not the hard finance number. Right. How does the length of a customer journey play into this ROI calculation? It definitely plays into the part that how difficult is it to track, or how difficult is it to do it, and so actually do it. Because in terms, it's, it's pretty, the concept is simple. You track something and then you measure how much you got out of it. That's in ballpark simple. It's the actual execution of it that's difficult. Mm -hmm. And the longer it comes between you tracking it and the effect happens, the harder that execution becomes because the longer you have to sort of go and collect stuff and remember where you put it and remember what everybody did. So the length of it is not necessarily sort of complicating the calculation, but it complicates the execution of it, of collecting it. Right. So the data structure that comes into when reporting what you have gathered from that event plays a role into like in the length, there is so much mess and so much yeah. crap collected together. Exactly. So besides that, what are the main challenges of ROI measurement for B2Bs? So the main challenge, obviously you have the challenge of collecting tracking. So obviously you have things that you have trouble tracking. I would say the most, that sort of, there will always be things in the world you can't measure. But there's also, just because you can't measure everything doesn't mean you don't have, that you throw everything out the window. It's still worth, if you talk to the person in your company responsible for finance, it's unlikely that they will stop, that they will buy your, I don't know anything, I, but I need $20,000 to go to this trade show. And I, I will need that five times this year. And I, then I also want to produce this podcast. It's unlikely they will just think, okay, you can't measure anything. That's fine. They will ask you for some kind of, are the people you're meeting at this place, do you have any indication that they, that this will provide, that they, this will give me more than 20,000 in return. And if you're able to come and say, okay, you see the last time we went to this trade show, we had a meeting with all these people. We made all these people go to this landing page and we can see that a certain amount of them afterwards, they went on, they booked a demo. There's this amount of them that are now in an opportunity created space, which represent this amount of revenue that we potentially can close. And we spend this amount of money on it. So that gives us a return on investment on, let's say two times, three times, four times the money you put in. Then that's a lot of a stronger argument for asking for the next 20,000. Definitely. And if they, the marketer who goes out and asks for the budget has a little bit of historical data, it's really nice where at least you're prepared to show where are we going to capture those leads? What are we going to do in order to make sure that we do capture who we met so we can further track that down the line? Then it will be so much easier for you to ask for more money the next time. 
Are those the landing pages? Are those just the emails of people? And how are you going to prove that this actually had any value on your pipeline? Exactly. And if, if nothing else fails, is sort of these landing pages, you change things. That is also tying the asking people at the demo, where did you hear about us? Then they say, oh, I saw you at the trade show. Then, okay, you have the trade the touch point. Yeah, there you heard about the trade show. Then you tie that revenue back and then you have your have that contribute. So not necessarily when you say tracking, it does, that's the beauty of this, this approach that we implemented now is that you can have this tracking coming from a lot of different places. So not necessarily you can have your, your landing page uh, for your event, bring in some of it. You have known your salesperson have noted down some meetings, mm -hmm. your BDRs asking at the first demo call where they heard about you. And then you tie all of that together. And that's the activity that it brought in. And then related to how much did you spend on it? Yep, that's making stuff much easier. But then I need your opinion. So there are different target groups for the various part of the funnel for marketers. They would say, oh, but with paid ads, we go after one type of clients, then we go for some awareness, then this is events, this is relationship building. How do you put that into like the data perspective? How do we measure the differences in those to show that one is working better than the other? So you always have to that is the whole sort of branded versus non-branded yeah. discussion that I guess comes up. It's the same type of discussion that comes up in, in Google, it comes up in Facebook, it comes up. It's, it's the various forms of the same type of discussion. And you have to always be aware that obviously things will work differently. If you're comparing apple and oranges, that, that's not necessarily going to really work. Um, so obviously, if you have your trade show that's meant to be people make aware of you, then you compare that to the all the other activities that you do with the same goal. Because obviously, if you compare two things with two vastly different goals, then the discussion sort of needs to happen at a larger level. Then it's the whole sort of the whole company type of thing. Does the company need more awareness or does the company need leads in the door now? Because that, that discussion, it's hard to do directly based on a number. Right. Because that number represents two vastly different things. But with the sort of tracking part, then especially the awareness you get from physical events. Because that's usually something people remember better. Whereas people don't remember the Facebook thing they scrolled past, even though all evidence count to that it does matter. All research says it does when you try to measure it, but people don't remember it. Whereas the uh, physical events is very memorable. Yeah. So it's more likely that you'll get the response in your how did you hear about us? There, a physical event is just much more likely to stick around in your memory compared to the Facebook ad you scrolled past. Yeah, and even with the different goals, if we're comparing apples to apples, at the end of the day, you will be asked. <laughs> like at the end of the year, yeah, yeah. when planning the next year's budget, where are we putting the money into? So you have several goals that you're trying to achieve, and then you're comparing those specific events, webinars, and you're paid not alongside each other, but more it's like we're in the funnel stages or in which goals are we trying to reach this type of audience and what the ROI is, right? Is there any other challenge that you're seeing that B2Bs usually get wrong with ROI calculations? Yeah, except sort of the tracking part of getting it. Then obviously there's the, how do you connect stuff, sort of the spending and the activity and that's not necessarily a wrong thing people are doing wrong. It's more the thing that people are doing it 
in so many different ways. Mm. Sort of, how do you connect your? Do you take all spend that ha happened last month and divide that by your everything that came in last month mm -hmm. and call that your RI? Because that that's a totally different number and a totally different thing. So there's a lot of creative solutions about. That's also why the the relevance of what is RI to begin with mm. is relevant defining. Usually, it's simpler to calculate return on ad spend when you've got all the touches. But otherwise, we've got a question. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay, so, and I can't see who that is, actually. No. I'm sorry for this. But in B2B and SaaS, we talk a lot about lifetime value and less about ROI. As we often have long customer relationships, have you considered somehow adding lifetime value to Dream Data? I guess Dream Data ROI calculation, right? Mm. Uh, so the answer is yes, you can actually do it now. So it's not a, have you considered adding it at some point? Because the difference between the lifetime calculation and the sort of classical performance RI is basically just the value you put on it. So it's basically just, if you calculate your, what came in, that's the whole thing about RI, it's the what came in about what you got, what you paid for it. So then what came in if you put the norm, the contract value in a SaaS business in MRR or RR terms, then are you putting the R or are you putting the lifetime value there? Right. So obviously, most it sort of to get the right, the more right number. If you care about the actual percentage to get that number exact, then you would want to put in the expected lifetime of the people that close. Right. So knowing your lifetime value and then putting that in instead of the face contract value but obviously that also depends a little bit on your on your business model are you expecting to sell repeatedly to the same person is that the lifetime or is it a recurring business model which i guess is most common in SaaS? yeah so kind of mapping it what we spoke about early funnel where you have to guess stuff more or yeah. less like return of investment of events that reach SQL, then you go to new business, but even further than you go the step ahead yeah. of that, are we investing into the lifetime value of yeah. a client exactly. or yeah, yeah, exactly. the renewal time of a year after? Exactly. And obviously every time you talk about the, to get then the true number, then you get an even longer time period mm -hmm. than the from first touch to close. If you have the, because then you're talking first touch to actually to sort to churn. Yeah, which hopefully, if your business is going good, is a long time. So there you end up with having the estimated lifetime. Yeah, right. So it's, it's the estimated revenue, which somehow also makes the RI a little bit estimated. Love that. Like most of that is down to the complexity that it is difficult to calculate the ROI for B2Bs. There's so much stuff, data in, data out. But from the Recent examples, you're working with some clients that are trying to calculate. How were they calculating it before they got to a point that, okay, we need a tool for this? So I think most people end up doing something that's sort of side-by-side -side calculations. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't collect everything into one sort of where you sort of do the same calculation. So most people, but before they end up figuring out that you need to do something smarter or more scalable, then they have their own sort of side calculations. Like you mentioned before, then the salesperson might have, who did I spoke, spoke to and which of those did I end up closing? That's not the a comparable ROI to the marketing spend, but it is some form of a 
performance of what was going on. So you get all these individual performances, mm. which makes it difficult from an overall perspective to get a clear picture of where do I then spend my next money? Because obviously everything could be a good idea, but you don't have infinite money, especially not in this time. So you need to sort of figure out which, if I only have 100,000, where do I then want to spend those? And that's very difficult if you are measuring performance in 10 different ways, because that, that doesn't give you a picture on, is this bringing in more than others? Mm, that's right. That's a lot of calculations and mismatches I can hear. So one more question is, what's the most fair attribution model to use when calculating ROI? Which one do you use? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> opinions, yeah, about, opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Fair attribution. I've talked a long time about that because that depends on what is fair. So there's uh, definitions of mathematical fair, which would be the, what would most probably a linear thing. Because if you were three people to, to make this, then the most fair is sharing it equal. Then most companies would have a opinion on whether or not a click on something is worth, is more important than actually showing up to a face-to-face -face meeting at a booth, a day where you could have gone and done something else or yep. was hangover from the dinner the day before, nobody does right? That. That's not happening. No. <laughs> no. So most of the time you would want your attribution model to weigh heavier on those. We see a lot of our customers that go into the sort of more detailed attribution models use things where they weigh the, exactly those kind of events that we're talking about here. They weigh those a lot higher mm. than simple ad touches. That's because very... it is a more committing right. thing. It feels like that, at least. That like you had the personal chat with a person, you collected exactly. an email and so on, instead of they just clicked on an ad and read for five seconds. In this case, then you would mean that it is kind of a custom linear attribution model where you weight some of the touches higher than the rest, right? Yeah, so it's, it's the idea of the reason why things like W-shaped or full-shaped models exist to begin with. Mm. That there's, there's a first, a last, and then there's important things in the middle. And then being a data scientist, I'll always, always value some kind of data-driven approach, right? But that's a little bit harder to, to explain on, on the spot why why that would pick up certain things. That's right. And there's one thing I need to correct myself on, what we started this with. Miguel is not our data scientist. He's the head of data scientists at Dream Data. And this is important. <laughs> but with that, thanks everybody for attending. Thank you, Miguel. As Thank always, a pleasure. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast, and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.